It's time for episode 239 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 2nd, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that, unlike literally every modern transit system, always runs on time. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my dear pal and co-host, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I I find the slight irony of you saying that we always run on time on a day where we are (laughs) broadcasting an hour later than we almost always do. (laughs) I know, but it'll still be 30 minutes in the end, and that's what matters. Uh, You all know how this show works. We've got two excellent guests. We've got four topics. We've got 30 minutes. I am excited to introduce to my left the author of the best-selling How to Be You book and an all-around beacon of light and happiness. It's the one and only Jeffrey Marsh. Welcome, Jeffrey. I am a beacon. You know, I'm on the F train right now whoa <laughs> so i couldn't couldn't make it home i hope that's it's all right. surprisingly quiet on the f train this week <laughs> yeah we, we, we did that for you uh, and to my left a freelancer the co-host of the material podcast and all about android it's florence ion hi flo hi thanks guys for having me okay let's go ahead and kick things off i will start things out i uh am checking out oloclip has or oloclip has a new connect lens system for iphone 10 so they just came out with this product and basically it allows you to like their other products augment your iphone 10's camera with special lenses for fisheye and and uh, wide angle and a very very close macro and i'm just curious do you think there's something to this whole accessory market where you take something like the iPhone and add on top of it to make it a, an even better camera? Or do you prefer to just sort of snap with your smartphone camera all on its own and then use a DSLR for fancy photography? Jeffrey, we'll start with you. DSLR for fancy. Call me old-fashioned. I in the line of work that I do, being a social media maven, things actually get more likes the more just snapped they are. <laughs> People want this sort of authenticity. And if you start adding really intense filters and and get out all your lenses in your kit, it can tend to work against that connection in social. So uh, I love them and I will buy them and use them personally. But for my work, it's all all natural. Um, I, you know, I've had a couple of the Oloclip systems in the past, and I'm always impressed with how well they work. Um, They clearly have, they've got this down to a science. But I think at the end of the day, the challenge for me is always, it's one more thing to remember to bring with you. And that, for me, it's always been like the novelty of it has been like, oh yeah, I can put on these lenses, I can take these pictures, and it usually lasts for a couple days, and then it goes into a drawer somewhere, and I usually forget about it. And frankly, the the smartphone lenses have gotten better and better, and the iPhone X is pretty great, uh, that usually to the point at least where I don't feel like the... Um, the, the, that the lenses are the problems. It's usually my talent is where the shortfall comes. So uh, adding additional lenses to that only helps so much with that kind of thing. Um, I do have a DSLR, and I, I you know took pictures for that for several years. But again, it's just the compactness and having to carry something else. I mean, it's trite to go back to that old maximum about the best camera being the one you have with you. But it, it really is true in my experience. 
So I don't have all clip privilege because I am on the Android side of things. Uh, but I do have the Pixel 2, which has a fantastic camera, if I do say so myself. And I just and I just bought mm. a silly little accessory off Amazon the other day. It is one of those clip-on lenses that you clip over the top. And uh, it also has a built-in selfie light that you can take off um, if you need to. So you could change the angle of the light. And it is the most, it is the coolest thing ever. And I have to say, the last three vacations I've taken, I have not brought a full-size camera, and I did not regret it. Um, I did have my husband as backup with his uh, with his camera, but I didn't feel like I need it. And I think I'm just at that point where uh, I only use the DSLR when I'm shooting for paid work <laughs> for, for work. <laughs> I like the clip-on husband accessory. I guess you need, <laughs> you need more of those. <laughs> where do you buy one of those? Uh, I think uh, Amazon are, seventeen ninety nine. Probably, yeah. Uh, I, those are all fantastic answers. I, 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 I think I agree. I think that there is some novelty and some fun to these. And in fact, I have used the macro uh, lens is my favorite thing. The other ones, you know, they they add sort of strange bending to the photos and can end up sort of. Again, like Jeffrey said, taking away from the, I think, the realism and the connection there. Uh, but I've written a few articles for iMore that involved macro photography for different things. And I just used my iPhone and the Oloclip lens to pull those off. And so I find that it's very helpful for that kind of thing. Um, but, but I think that, you know, there's certainly still a very, very realistic and and very steadfast marketplace for DSLR cameras, and I don't think that I will be uh, taking my six Oloclip lanyards with me to make sure that I get like photographs for a wedding with my iPhone 10 or something like that. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move along to Jeffrey's topic. Well, Mr. Zuckerberg goes to Washington. <laughs> Uh, and he talked about quite a lot of stuff. But one thing that didn't get as much attention, but certainly caught my eye, my ears, was the idea that Facebook will be using AI to recognize hate speech on the platform, quote, within five or 10 years, end quote. And so I toss it to the group, what do you think he really meant by that? Is it going to work? Is AI the answer? How do we eradicate hate on the internet and in the world and in our hearts? Dan? Oh, man. Small questions. <laughs> Thanks. <That's>, <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> All right. Let me, let me just solve this problem. Um, I think... So here's the thing. It's hard enough already to train people to correctly recognize hate speech. Like, that has been a big challenge, mm -hmm. clearly. And where AI can potentially help is in volume. Uh, if you look at the amount of stuff on Twitter and Facebook, it would be hard to really cover all of that with a paid staff of people. It's just not feasible. That said, you can use AI potentially to help start identifying hate speech and thus you know, flagging things to bring attention to, to, to bring to the attention of human moderators. Uh, mm -hmm. Even there, it's not going to be foolproof. Um, hate speech, like so much speech, is constantly evolving. So trying to deal with new and emerging, um, you know, terminology that is that is uh, directed at particular groups, I think, is going to be a challenge. Um, 
I'm I'm someone who's always a little bit cynical about the idea that AI is going to solve any of our problems <laughs> because I you know I worked with computers for 20 years and uh yeah I've seen just how well they work at most things. Um so trying to get them to interpret meaning is always a big challenge as you can tell if you've ever had your grammar check in Microsoft Word throw up flags about using a semicolon. Um so I I'm I'm a little skeptical. I think it it could be a good tool to have in the in the toolbox. But uh, I, I'm a bit skeptical that it will solve all the problems. I think, you know, educating people and trying to broaden people's um, tolerance and understanding of other groups is far more likely to be successful in the long run and also just better for all of us. Flo, what do you think? I I definitely... I definitely want to be honest with everyone here and say that I have a little bit of fear about this idea of uh, editorializing and just what we as humans do and how we can and just how how we can discern things you know differently from a machine like i'm very afraid that it's going to become this mainstream school of thought that these are things that can be replaced by a robot and i just i just don't think that's true i think this is definitely one of those examples that that lends credence to that too that sort of uh makes me a little more scared of this idea. I just, I think there's a lot, I think we also have to see the fact that when, I'm trying to think about how to put this into words, uh, so when the Russian bot thing happened, those were not just robots, like, those were people, right? Those, um, anyway. Yeah, programming yeah. the bots, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so I just imagine, like, I don't know. I just think the person power is very important. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I fell apart so, at the end so there. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, sorry. But this sorry. is a, yeah. It's a big topic. It's a big topic. <laughs> no, yes. I mean, I, I agree. I agree with you, Flo. That's that's sort of where I am with all of this. You know, uh, as Mark Zuckerberg was being questioned, he sort of kept using this this eventual AI future as a way to uh, sort of ignore the questions or or try mm-hmm. to to you know not answer the questions. Say, oh, you know, that's something that's very hard to do right now, but. We're working on it, and AI will eventually solve all our issues. And that's just not the case. And yes, I think that it can help in volume, and it can help in things where we as humans can train the AI to to pick out those things. But like, it still requires the person behind it to do that training and to say, these are the guidelines that we're setting. This is what I'm teaching you, tiny little robot baby brain, to grow up to be a, uh, an adult robot brain and be able to you know m- wipe this away from the platform. And And so, yeah, people power is still incredibly important. And I think in the meantime, these platforms, it's only going to continue, I think, to uh, to to get worse because we're going to have um, these situations where, again, we're sort of punting, so to speak, to AI and saying, oh, we'll let AI take care of that. And then we see less people being involved in these content decisions. And that's whenever I think this stuff sort of runs rampant. And so I hope that companies will continue to focus on getting real people into those positions and doing the proper training and making sure that all of those bases bases are covered because that's the only way I think for us all to be able to exist with some level of happiness on the internet. Oh, now I want to do like an hour long show with all of you <laughs> on that exact topic to and say. ask follow ups. Uh, 
No, it's wonderful. I first, a few years ago, became famous on Vine, and it was really Wild West days in terms of the Nazi side of hate, like groups, but also individual comments. And I worked with them eventually to make an algorithm that would recognize certain words. Mm. But you are all right. It's so colloquial and so fast changing. It's um, something we'll have to watch, see what happens. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that question. And thank you for the first half of the show. It's time for halftime. And this week's episode is sponsored by Casper. Casper is the company that's focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. Guess what? Here's a fact. You spend a third of your life sleeping, a third of your entire life. If you spend a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. And that's why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver directly to your door, and if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. I've talked before about how I am a big old Casper fan. I've got the Casper sheets, the Casper pillows, the Casper bed, the Casper this, the Casper that. I practically, like, why don't I have Casper pajamas yet, Casper? Get at me. Um, I, I really do truly believe that my sleep has been improved by sleep sleeping on a Casper mattress and all the other stuff. Um, their products are high quality and, you know, you can wash the sheets a million times and everything's still great. You out there, if you want to try out Casper, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash clockwise and using the code clockwise at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. That's casper.com slash clockwise with the offer code clockwise. Thanks so much to Casper for your support of our show. And let's hear from Dan. All right. So among the tidbits dropped on Apple's financial conference call for this quarter was Tim Cook saying that the company is really very interested in health. It's a, it's a place of strong interest for them. Um, so my question for you folks is, uh, where would consumer technology or consumer technology companies like Apple or Google or Microsoft, etc., where do you think they could put lend some weight to really help you in your medical life? Like, what are the, the benefits that they could bring to that? If, if there's one specific thing that you can sort of think of, it's like, this would be the place where you could really help out. Flo, is there anything like that for you? Yes. Uh, and without getting too personal, I will say that I've, um, I found, I found some really great apps in the Google Play Store that have helped me sort of organize the thoughts in my brain, you know, organize sort of what's going on with me internally so that I can bring that information, you know, to the psychiatrist and sort of like go through that. And I think, um, I think were it not for those apps, they've really helped me sort of come down to the process of elimination to be able to figure out kind of like what's going on with me internally. Why, you know, why are certain actions happening? That kind of thing. It's a lot of logging, but, um, there is one app in particular that's been really helpful. It's an app to help you with procrastination because a lot of time, like the thing that's sort of causing you to procrastinate is like this, other looming thing that you've got going on. So the app sort of, uh, what it helps me do is get my thoughts organized to kind of like figure out what is it really that's kind of keeping me from starting today? 
it uh, it helps guide me through some breathing techniques and helps me sort of reset and restart so that I can kind of sit down and, and start getting to work on those tasks that I need to get done. And I just think about like, how great would it be to have the sort of integration with Google Fit, which, um, you know, I... Unfortunately, on the Android side, we don't really have what you guys have in in uh, for Apple, and it's kind of a bummer because I'd love to be able to have all that data ag- aggregated for me, something that I could e- easily export if I need to, um, to kind of like present to a doctor, like all these sorts of things, you know, um, and and even the holistic health, like to have that be a part of uh, the health app. Absolutely. Um, the, I want I want Apple to, and I know like this is a very risky thing in terms of uh, companies that have tried to do things like this in the past often get dinged by the FDA and you know get a bunch of regulations put into place. But I would love to see Apple. They've got all of that data there in the the health app, and you know on Google side. Same thing, collecting data from different apps and putting it together in one place. Let's take all that data and start to make sense of it and use that to help inform people. If I had some sort of sort of like clippy, but a bajillion times better and also wearing a stethoscope and not shaped like a paperclip, <laughs> it's like, I see today your heart rate is racing and your, you know, pulse oximeter reading is blah, blah, blah. Would you like to do a breathing exercise or something like that where it's making some active recommendations for me that help improve my health, but also maybe it can like, if, if we have a future in which we're wearing like uh, AR glasses and it could somehow sense uh, ocular pressure, then it could be like, hey, you should probably hmm. go see your eye doctor because you have the beginning signs of glaucoma or, you know, the watch starts to tell your your blood sugar or all of these different things. I mean, the data is already being collected there and more is on its way with new sensors and things like that. So let's take all of that and actually make some sense of it instead of it just being sort of these pretty graphs that, you know, line up next to each other and look kind of cool. What do we do with that stuff? What about you, Jeffrey? What do you think? Oh, I love it. Well, first, I think that it's stethy. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is a stethoscope, isn't it? Animated. Yes, it's going to talk to me. Um, along the lines of what Flo was saying so brilliantly, I am intrigued by how we improve our emotional health, our mental health with tech. And I have a family member who is losing her hearing. She's older and she's feeling so isolated and I'm just specifically so excited to see what happens in the next few years about maybe it's with AirPods morphing into something, but how we help people feel more connected to human experience through technology. So it's one of the most exciting frontiers, I think, that we we can have, whether it's something that filters out background noise, obviously, like boosts certain things, whatever it is, if it helps us to connect, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think you all make great points here. I mean, for me, I think Micah kind of hit the nail on the head with what I'd like to see, which is taking all this data and and making it, I hate the word actionable, but I'll say actionable because I hate it, but it's true. Like letting (laughs) you do something with it, right? I I love the idea that maybe it can start to predict, like if it sees certain 
uh, factors that sort of um, we've noticed all these factors in conjunction. Maybe you're starting to get sick now, but like maybe, you know, take it easy or or take some vitamin C or something like that. Um, being able to turn that into uh, improving your life rather than just reporting all the data about what you've already done and, and sort of zooming that out to a large scale. I think from a I wonder about things like uh, epidemiologists looking at tracking the patterns of certain viruses or stuff like that. Like, oh, it's flu season, right? Like if you could actually you know, look at a large aggregate data and be like, well, we've noticed the flu's moving through this section of the of the country or this part of the world is dealing with this virus. Like, I think that could be really interesting to see how you sort of follow the progression of, of health uh, overall. But the holistically, as I think Flo said, like, that's really where it comes to me is like t- putting this together with all that other stuff and turning it into a, a bigger picture and something that is actually useful rather than just numbers that a lot of us don't remember. So thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's get our last topic today, which comes from Flo. Yes. So you guys, you all are all maybe familiar with video doorbells. Um, they've become a thing. Uh, in recent years, and I just recently had the chance to use the Nest Hello, which uses machine learning to recognize faces. And uh, I have to say, you know, as a person who has a very fully equipped smart home right now and is is really deep into the connected home, I am, you know, I'm okay with the idea of, oh, I'm sitting inside my house and my Google Home tells me exactly who's at the door. That's kind of cool. Uh, I'm into it. <laughs> but I know that not everybody is really into the idea. So I'm curious about how you all think uh, about um, or how you all feel about the fact that there are these machines, these cameras that are learning the people in our lives, learning the people who are crossing you know, our doorsteps, uh, kind of are us- using all of this data to make our lives easier in a sense. But I mean, is it making everyone's lives easier? What do you What do you all think? Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in a little bit of an anecdote. Um, I, the The Walmart near me just recently got a bunch of new self checkout systems, and these new self checkout systems include a little webcam in the monitor that. For some, it doesn't explain why it is looking at me and why it's recording me, but it's showing my face on the screen. And I had this moment where I thought, I don't know where this stream is going. I don't know how long they're keeping it. I don't know how it's being protected. I don't know what they're doing with my face and my movements and things like that. This is a little weird. It probably means that they are seeing my face and using that to figure out what I buy and then taking that information and being able to better market to me. Uh, That is something that I have started to feel... I have a I have a video doorbell as well. Mine's from August. And I've had this moment where I'm thinking, I feel kind of guilty that, you know, the 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 UPS person, the pizza delivery driver, the sandwich delivery, whoever comes up to my door, rings the doorbell, they had no no choice in sort of showing up in my app and me being able to see them there. There was no consent given. And, you know, I mean, they rang the doorbell, they walked up to my door, I realized that, but it just, it, there's just a little bit of weirdness to it. I like being able to see who's coming to my door, but I do feel a little strange about uh, overall sort of us losing our ability to control where our, our appearances show up and how they're being used. I completely agree. And uh, two things for me, it, 
just as a side note, I'm non-binary, and so facial recognition stuff tends to be really confused by me, mm. as is a lot of society at large. <laughs> that one day I have facial hair, the next day I don't. I have false lashes, then I don't. I have you know my hair one way, and then it's a completely different way the next time. And it's it's often time it's it's often hard to be recognized by a computer for me. But as a larger point, I'm also well-known on the internet by young people. And I didn't realize, as that started happening to me, I didn't realize that I would be giving up a certain amount of my privacy in that process. So people will take my picture when I'm just out in my life and then post it and tag me. And it's, it's so on the edge of... I really wish that there was some way to get consent mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. to ask someone's permission to to take their image because in general it's not a very pleasant experience for me. Right. Yeah, I mean I this is a tricky area I think because I mean there are certainly benefits to this type of technology but it can very it can very easily run past those bounds. Uh the closest experience I don't have a smart doorbell or anything but I do have a um a canary um uh security camera in the house and they've started mm. i think working also on the similar idea of like being able to figure out like which of who are the people in the house they can sort of recognize um and it doesn't it's not usually on when we're just home and around because obviously we don't really need a security camera at that point it's really only when there's like you know when we're asleep or when we're away etc so it's it's a slightly different you know, equation there, right? Especially because it's inside of our house, at which point the whole, you know, private public boundary has shifted somewhat, right? Like we're not getting delivery people coming into our houses often. Um, so I, I think that there is some power here and some stuff that can be useful in terms of being able to recognize people, but just sort of a deploying it broadly, uh, like a, like a blanket approach, I think totally is problematic as Micah and Jeffrey said, like, you know, the, the idea of having everybody, captured or the potential to have their faces captured without any consent strikes me as a little uncomfortable and again i think micah's totally right in the example about being at the retail stores like what what are you using that for what why do you have permission to do that yes i've come into your store and by doing that i've probably you know implicitly agreed to certain things but you know it's a little it's a little different when it's like staring you right in the face there so I, i'm intrigued by the idea of a doorbell system that can recognize people and perhaps even authenticate them based on that hey it'd be great for alibis right like that's perfect mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah i i don't i think that there's uh, going to be a lot of questions about this that we need to work out yeah, and my mm-hmm. my final question is should I put a sign outside that says, hey, male people, <laughs> You're UPS people. Don't walk uh, in front of this thing. My, uh, my Nest yeah. app now has your face. I just want you to know it's nicely tucked away to my user account. I take your face off. I'm sorry I'm to pe- everyone. I'm petting the photos that I print out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. We have reached the end of the episode, but of course there's time for just one bonus topic, and our bonus topic is brought to you by Text expander from our friends at smile i'm going to step outside of the normal ad read here just to say i love text expander so very 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 much and if you don't have text expander you absolutely need to get it text expander lets you create snippet for things that you type so it's it's perfect for website urls email addresses the date maybe names that you have trouble spelling you 
can type all these things in and then trigger it with a small command. And suddenly, bada bing, bada boom, you've got this whole bit of text there that you normally have to type. You don't have to type it. I am all like, you know, there's the person at at work maybe who always has a a stick of gum for you and they become sort of popular. I'm the person who hands out snippets at work to all of my coworkers and they love whenever I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, you know how we write (laughs) commerce articles in the same way every time? Here's a snippet to help you with that. It's so much fun to create them. It's so much fun to save time with them. I love, I love you, Text Expander. I really do. <laughs> I, oh, it's great. So you are going to love Text Expander. I swear you go to textexpander.com slash podcast, and that's going to get you 20% off your first entire year. Just tell them you heard about them from this show, and that's textexpander.com slash podcast. You get 20% off your first year when you tell them you came from Clockwise. Thanks so much for your support. All right. Our bonus question. Do you have any plants in your home, in your office, in your garden, in your vehicle? Do you have any plants? I want to hear about them. (laughs) Jeffrey, what about you? Yes, I'm looking at Edith right now in the office. My partner and I decided plant was exactly the level of family that we're interested in. (laughs) (laughs) We want to go on vacation. We want to have our own lives. Plant. Yeah, smart. I had a plant once. Oh dear. Uh, No, I'm really bad with plants. I I just can't seem to keep them alive. And so I love the idea, but I've just, uh, maybe plants is even too high a family commitment for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have two beautiful little succulents that my husband helps me take care of. And by helps me take care of, I mean he waters them and makes sure they're not dying. Because I kill plants. uh, But he has a green thumb. But I appreciate it because my room is surrounded by all beautiful things. Plants, crystals, toys. It's good to be Mm -hmm. surrounded by things when you have to work long hours. Amen. Um, I have a a lucky bamboo that I've had for several years now that just keeps growing. The, the wow. sweet, sweet, sweet child of mine. And this year, I am actually, I printed out the Farmer's Almanac planting calendar. I'm going to try my hand at a vegetable garden, and I am so pumped. You're going to oh, wow. love it. You're going to like it. I've got it all. I'm wow. so excited. Uh, thank you all for your answers. We have reached the end of the episode. Thank you so much, Jeffrey Marsh, for joining us for this episode. Thank you. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Flo Ion, thank you so much for being here. Thank you both for having me and Jeffrey. So nice to meet you. Yes, indeed. And Micah, that brings us to the end of the episode, which means all we have to do is remind our listeners out there, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.